And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. You know, Aaron, we recently had our good friend Mark on, um, castigating us for being failed actors. Yeah. <laughs> being can, a, <laughs> can you fail as an actor if you never really got started? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so that, of course, you know, it has brought up a question in my mind, um, Aaron. Um, does everyone deserve a chance at redemption? <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying you want to you want to take another shot at it? No. <laughs> no. Walk the beaten path. No. Yeah, you know, I like doing my own thing, but I am happy to not be acting anymore. I'll tell you. Same. I mean, sure, people deserve a chance at redemption if they really want it, you know. But who's to say? Are there people or circumstances that wouldn't warrant redemption? Is there a line where it's like, nope, we've crossed the line? This- <sighs> I feel like there is, but it's like a society kind of moves it because mm. we live in a society. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> depending on what's been done, yeah. you know, it's like that court of public opinion. Yeah. It's like, nope, that's the line. That's yeah. it. You crossed it. There's no going back. And that person is fucked from mm. that point on. What say you, Adolf? I promise not to do it again. Okay. All right. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is a is a line, but it, it is an interesting kind of question and dilemma. It's like I, I would definitely think for most people, certainly. But then you get to a point, I'm like, where's that? Is there a line, and where is that line? So it's, it is an interesting societal question. I'd like to think as society gets better, that line progressively keeps moving forward. Like. But who knows? Who knows? You got to hope on the other side too. Like the extremes of the the bad things come down mm-hmm. as society moves mm-hmm. forward too, mm-hmm. and that wedge gets like formed into a nice little Dorito. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, hopefully, um, as we move into Star Trek times, yeah, that, that wedge gets a little better. Um, and of course, we are watching Star Trek today on Star Trek Stories. Woo! <laughs> Imagine that. Um, this is episode 42, Ensign Row. Um, I, of course, am your gracious host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my merciful co-host, Aaron Cole. <laughs> hello. Hello, hello, Jaron. Yeah, as he just gives like the emperor th- <laughs> thumbs down, like... I'm terribly vexed. <laughs> oh, yes. Um... Yeah, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, we are moving forward with our look at the TNG glory years. Um, last time on the show, we watched The Host, um, where we met the Trill for the first time, and we took a look at Dr. Crusher's complicated love life and gender preferences. Mm, sticky, messy stuff. <laughs> um and on today's episode, we have a new guest uh, here with us. Um, sitting in the captain's chair with us today, we have the very lovely Salem Rogers with us. Hello, Salem. Hello, hello. 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 <laughs> hello. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm definitely not a Star Trek expert, but I, I do deeply love and enjoy the Star Trek content that I have seen. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, in comparison, no one here is an expert, so you don't have to be compared to me. <laughs> um, yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Salem is yet another of my friends from Utah Symphony, Utah Opera. One of these days, I'm going to essentially conscript the entire organization. But again, as soon as I hear like, oh, yeah, I've watched Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Guess who gets to be on the show? <laughs> we're going to fill a Bravanel with all our cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do We'll do an episode of a Bravanel one day. Um... Yeah, so we know each other through, the, through Utah Symphony, Utah Opera, though you are currently taking a bit of a hiatus to work uh, with Sundance Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this the, this isn't the first time you've done that. No, um, it's my fourth year with Sundance, um, second year in theater operations, so mm. um, I, I, I do enjoy it a lot. There's like a lot of nice people that work at Sundance, and I, I like movies, so. And this isn't just your first film festival I think what you worked at, was it Seattle International? Or? Yeah, um, that was really cool. I got to um, work there for like the first time ever, um, like uh, spring earlier this year. Uh, it was my first time in Seattle, too, mm. and I absolutely fell in love with Seattle. I loved the theater that I worked at. Um, 
and I've like done like a little bit of like screening and like programming for some other festivals here and there. Mm. Um, so yeah, I got really into movies and I can't get out of it. <laughs> was the, like you do. Was the love of movies before or like did it exist and then the festival like made it skyrocket? Um, I always really liked movies. I think what really like did me in is uh, when I was like 17, I got a job at the Salt Lake Film Society. So I had like access to all these really cool like art house movies that were coming out. Um, and also we had uh, the Tower Theater, which is a great video archive, great video rental store. So I was like seeing movies and like talking about them at work. And then I was making friends with like a bunch of kids that were like also obsessed with movies. So then like on the weekends and my days off, it would be like, what do you want to do? Like, oh, like, let's watch a movie. Mm. Do you do you also do you have like a love for like the festival scene kind of outside of film? Do you like like music festivals or other kind of festivals? Is that also kind of your thing? Yeah, I haven't um, gotten to attend too many music festivals, um, but I do really enjoy them. I think they're really fun. Um, one that I try to go to if I can is I really like Riot Fest in Chicago. Mm, like it's nice. all like punk, like metal, like rock bands, and they're great. Um, I was literally just there. I saw. Uh, Foo Fighters. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah I went um, a few years ago when Bikini Kill headlined, oh, cool. and that that like I never thought I'd get to see Bikini mm. Kill like ever in my lifetime. That was very very special and cool. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, do because um, I know you also enjoy genre entertainment, mm-hmm. fantasy, sci-fi, horror. Do you also do like the Comic Con thing or? any of that kind of stuff? I think that it's cool and it does appeal to me. Um, I went to the very first Comic-Con that we had in Salt Lake um, mm-hmm. and I saw a panel with William Shatner and Adam West and that, that was incredible. That was so great. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're like the same person. It, it was amazing <laughs> seeing the two of them in one room together. Mm. Um, and I, I haven't really been to Comic-Con since then, but I, I think I would like to go. Like, I'm not definitely like not an expert in a lot of things i really like comics and i really like graphic novels but i feel like i'm still learning a lot about them and a lot about that medium um talk about something that once you go too far you can never go back like (laughs) comic books that is a deep rabbit hole to get totally um but i i have a lot of respect for it and i think it's cool like horror is my favorite thing i've always been a spooky kid i've loved horror for like as long as i can remember but I, I feel like fantasy and sci-fi are like the weird siblings of horror, and I, I have so much respect and love for like all genre stuff. Yeah, it's always for like because those are like the three big you know genres of speculative fiction. I mean, and then it, it branches off. You can go into like you know historical fiction, and you know, but those are the big three, and it's always fun. Everyone has like their point of the triangle. And then the other two, yeah, are like the little weird siblings that they also like. Yeah. And it's always fun to kind of see where I'm definitely like sci-fi with horror and fantasy. And uh, and yeah, there are definitely people who fantasies right at the top. And then there's the other two. It's always kind of fun to see what what speaks to people. Mine's like sci-fi and fantasy and then horror is kept <laughs> under the stairs. <laughs> Valid, fair. I, I totally understand. <laughs> uh, Star Trek isn't horror, though. They've done horror episodes. Mm-hmm. It kind of tackles all the genres within itself. Um, You aren't a newbie to Star Trek, but you have a very kind of selective slice of Star Trek. Yeah, and like not even necessarily deliberately. It's just like certain Star Trek series have kind of fallen into my lap at like different (laughs) times of my life. Like um, when I was a little kid, I got into Star Trek because my parents started watching the original series and they were watching that at the same time as the Twilight Zone. So I I just got like the whole like 60s sci-fi pie and was like really, really into it. And so it was just like the original series for me for a long time. Um, A few years ago, I I was living in a house with like a bunch of roommates and my friend Matt would like watch Deep Space Nine sometimes. And like, I'd watch like an episode or two here and there with him in like the middle of the night. Um, And I've like started exploring Deep Space Nine a little more earnestly, like by myself, like kind of recently and like have been really enjoying it and like getting more into like the overarching plot because it is it is not very episodic at all no the further it goes the less episode like episodic friendly it gets yeah Mm -hmm. um 
but that's uh that's like really like I, I think that I have seen every episode of the original series, but there's a lot I haven't seen since I was a little kid, so it's like a little spotty there. And I've seen a lot of Deep Space Nine, but I've not seen every episode of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but you haven't seen Next Generation. I've never seen a single episode of Next Gen. That's a, you are a rare breed of Star Trek fan. There's... It's, it's weird, like the series that I have seen, like, bookend like next gen yeah, like I've, I've seen everything, everything except but. what happens in the middle like <laughs> star trek not next generation um, i am excited to watch a next gen episode i'm excited to see my friends from deep space nine Worf and o'brien um yeah. i'm trying to think if o'brien's in this one i can't remember if he is we'll see uh, if he makes it Worf's in the a, Worf probably is cool um, but there at the very least there will be deep space nine elements in this one so i'm very curious about what deep space nine elements are at play here yeah um yeah before we get further into that um bringing it back to our question from earlier um you know especially since star trek is a very optimistic you know franchise and uh tends to fall on the side of believing in everyone uh what do you think does everyone deserve a chance at redemption is there a line that has to be drawn at some point what do you think yeah, that's like a tough question because I think so much of it is like contextual. Like, does everybody like kind of blanket deserve a chance for redemption? Like, yeah, I think that I'd agree with that. But like, what, like, who are they being redeemed to? I think is one important aspect of that. Like, is it like, like what you were talking about, like a societal kind of thing? Or is it like you've harmed like an individual? Like, because if you've harmed an individual, I think that person has every right to just say, like, no, <laughs> like, you don't you don't deserve a second chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think it depends on, like, what was done. And is this the first time that it's happened? Mm-hmm. Like, does everybody deserve a chance for redemption once? Probably. Does everyone deserve a chance for redemption, like, a second or a third or a fourth time? I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. It is tricky, though. Ideally, yes. Um, but realistically, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yes, as we've talked about, Star Trek, of course, likes to uh, fall in the, uh, the, the moral, opt- optimal, uh, optimistic side of things. So it'll be interesting to see what Star Trek has to say about that in this episode. Because, um, yes, we are watching Ensign Row today. Um this premiered October 7th, 1991. Um, this is the third episode produced for the fifth season. Um, this is our first season five episode, Aaron. Um, so at this point, the producers had been wanting to find a replacement f- character for Wesley Crusher, who has now left the show, um, specifically like a replacement at the helm station, because that was what Wesley was usually doing. Um, and the result is Ensign Rolaren, our titular character for this episode. Um, she doesn't become like a main character, but she becomes a recurring character on the show and makes several appearances, um, on the series and is the, becomes the helm officer. So yeah, so this is her debut episode. So that'll be kind of fun to watch just to see how, how they unveil their new, uh, character. Um, this is also the first episode to introduce the Bajorans. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Cool. Um, who go on to become one of the main races of the franchise, most notably on Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Trek always loves to, we've talked about this a little bit, Star Trek loves to kind of create species to kind of represent ideas like the Romulans or the Space Romans. The Cardassians are the space fascists. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and then the Bajorans, at least initially, they're essentially the space refugees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The space oppressed. <laughs> the space oppressed. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, they, and they were originally designed for as a one-off for this episode, but then the producers became so interested in them because of this episode um, that ba- this episode ends up being essentially the inspiration for the creation of Deep Space Nine like a year or two later. Um, so yeah, we can also kind of see the Bajorans in their debut episode and see how that goes. So a fun, couple fun things to look at in this one. Um, all right. Um, yeah, so for those of you at home who are going to watch along with us, Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up Season 5 
episode three. And we will be back after we watch Ensign Rowe. What? Hello. It's me, Guinan. I heard you got grounded. I really don't feel like talking right now. Come on, sure you do. Why is it every time I tell you something you tell me I mean the exact opposite? Because you're one of those people who's got their poles reversed. Do you want to talk about it? It's nothing you can help me with. Well, how do you know until you try? Look, I got myself into this. I'm just trying to figure a way out, that's all. Without anyone getting killed this time. Seems like everybody's just pulling my strings, you know? Like I've got no control. Hmm. For people like you and me, who've lost their homes. Sometimes that's the way life feels. I'm in trouble. There's more going on here than anybody on this ship realizes. It's more than I know how to deal with. And I really don't know who to trust anymore. Including yourself? Especially myself. Hmm. You know, a very long time ago, I got into some serious trouble, too. And I mean serious. And I'd probably still be there if I hadn't trusted one man. Come. Ensign Rowe has some things she'd like to talk to you about. Ensign Rowe has been confined to her quarters. Well, she can go back to her quarters when she's done. Guinan, I don't know why you're involved in this, but... She's my friend. got done watching Ensign Rowe. Um, in case you haven't seen this one before, didn't watch it with us, so we are introduced to the Bajorans and their plight. Uh, basically, like their planet falls within Cardassian boundaries, and the Cardassians have occupied their planet and half for decades now, and a lot of the Bajorans are living off-world in refugee, refugee camps. Um, and then basically like a Bajoran terrorist group, um, attacks a Federation settlement. And so Picard and crew are ordered to go investigate and bring the terrorists in, uh, by an Admiral. Um, the Admiral also assigns Ensign Roe Laren to the ship, who is a Bajoran, a former Bajoran Starfleet officer who has been serving in prison because they disobeyed orders and ended up getting like. Um, some people killed on an away mission or something like that. Um, but with the help of Ensign Rowe, they are able to like track down the terrorist leaders and figure out that something is off and that the Bajoran, the Bajoran terrorists haven't actually attacked the Cardassians. And the whole thing is revealed to be like a scheme by both the Admiral 
Um, and also in the bigger scheme, of course, is the Cardassians who are trying to trick the Feder who they are the ones who I guess who are actually responsible for attacking the outpost and made it look like it was the Bajorans. So the Federation would get involved and help them take care of the Bajoran terrorist problem is essentially what happens. Um, Picard and Ensign Rowe expose all this, uh, expose the Admiral for being a dumbass for, um, getting sucked into the Cardassians plan and Picard decides to offer Ensign Rowe a position on the ship, being impressed with her, um, her role in the mission. Um, we always start with initial thoughts. Salem, initial thoughts coming on um, after Ensign Rowe. Yeah, um, it was really fun to get a flavor for like what a next gen episode feels like. Like I do see a lot of the original series in it, and of course, like a lot of setup for Deep Space Nine. Like in Ensign Rowe, there is so much of like Major Kira in that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like such an obvious jumping off point, and that's really cool to see. Um, and yeah, it's 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 just neat to see like the the kind of like starting point for all of like the Cardassian Bajoran stuff that like is really like the meat and potatoes of Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah. Um yeah, I mean that's what so much of that show is about. It, it like that whole Bajoran Cardassian thing is front and center. It's like the whole show kind of pivots around it. Um kind of wild. I mean in a sense that like um if I recall when there were no plans for Deep Space Nine at this point. This was literally just a random episode with the ex- with the explicit purpose of introducing a new character. Um, and kind of wild that they were just like, you know what? We are going to base a, ho- the, a whole new Star Trek show around basically what's introduced in this particular episode. It's kind of wild to think about. Um, yeah, and also, yeah, I hadn't... You know, it's interesting perspective, you coming off of Deep Space Nine and original series. It's like, yeah, if that was your perspective, then this would be this very interesting middle <laughs> ground between those two shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like it does. It does feel like a bridge um, between those shows, like very strongly. Like it makes sense that this like all happens in the middle. Um yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool to see like uh, kind of like the missing like link between the original series mm-hmm. and Deep Space Nine. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, having come off coming off of those shows, like when you look at the tone of this show, does it feel more like the original show? Does it feel like Deep? I mean, I know it's kind of this like middle ground, but in terms of like the characters, the tone, why don't, which one does it feel closer to? Yeah, like it is a lot, a lot like a hybrid in a lot of ways. Um, personally, like I think it feels a little bit more like the original series than Deep Space Nine, um, just because of like how, how episodic like it is. <laughs> like in Deep Space Nine, when like the Bajorans and the Cardassians are like in conflict, that is like a two or a three part like episode right. that is really going into depth between like the history between all of these characters and how they know each other. And this is like very much more of like a one shot kind of like, oh, what if we, what if we talk about like these aliens for a little bit kind of thing. So in that way, it does feel a lot more like the original series. Yeah. Kind of getting in there, having a thing, and then warping away at the end. And yeah. See what the next adventure brings. Um, Good luck, refugees. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you find it fairly? I mean, you have the benefit of you know having watched the original show and you know Deep Space Nine, so you definitely have a lot of context for Star Trek. Um, I mean, for being like your first Star Trek episode, just going in fairly blind, is it pretty accessible? Pretty like. Yeah, I I think it's pretty accessible. Like, I think, like, it kind of, like, shorthands all the stuff that, like, you would generally, like, need to know. Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff you could pick up and, like... Um, the characters are like really charming. Um, captain Picard is incredibly charming. That's something that I've heard a lot about him as like a captain. And now like having seen it firsthand, like, yeah, he's, he's an incredibly like compelling and like charming captain. Yes. Daddy Picard. Um, (laughs) yes. A lot of our conversations end up a lot of our next generation episodes discussions. And we talk about lots of episodes, lots of different things. Almost every episode. It's like, 
Also, shout out to Patrick Stewart. Oh, seriously? <laughs> he's he's got an to him. He just does. Um, Aaron, initial thoughts coming on um, after Ensign Rowe. Oh, the Admiral looks like the actor from Brooklyn Nine-Nine that plays the Vulture. And I'm, it's driving me nuts. I can't remember his name. Mm. He, he has all those car commercials where he's like the accident man. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. Ensign Rowe, it's so cool to see this episode again. Mm. Um, to see her call back later. Yeah. Uh, in Modern Trek is really sweet. Yeah, she does make a surprise appearance in Star Trek Picard season three. It's like, oh my God, Rowe. <laughs> uh, which also kind of continues her little character arc from when they leave off uh, with her in the show. Yeah. yeah, like you're saying, many shades of DS9. Uh, shout out to Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Excellent job. That's again. I don't know if anyone's mentioned this, but oh. <laughs> has anybody said this? How good Patrick Stewart is? <laughs> um, we were talking about the ships, the Cardassian ships. Mm-hmm. How cool they are! That aesthetic, they kind of look like snakes. But from the front, to me, I was thinking maybe because I'm a little blazed, they look like slices of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, they look like pizza hut pizzas. Yeah, to me, they always had this kind of like Egyptian. Mm like like i said we were talking about they kind of look like the onk a little bit like uh, as a starship but if like also you kind of got like a kind of cobra because it kind of still has like those kind of they have a megalithic quality yeah um i always like that design it's so so interesting um also yeah is this speaking of the admiral is this have we watched an episode with an evil admiral yet we we watched captain maxwell and the wounded but have we had like the evil like an evil admiral episode yet? No, not an evil one. This was just a a silly goose admiral, a, an idiot admiral, the galactic high dork of the week. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, sur- no survivors! Oh, yeah. Oh, oh! I've been completely exposed. Well, <laughs> <laughs> time just to go back and do some paperwork. Him, see him clothing his laptop. <laughs> uh, Peggy, cancel all my meetings for the afternoon, please. <laughs> Her security is waiting for you outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this. I think this is our first. I mean, not evil admiral, but just like Star, Star Trek has a great track record with either. We. I mean, we like to affectionately call them the High Galactic Dork of the Week. Who's <laughs> <laughs> just either an idiot or just like, are you just evil? Like, <laughs> it seems to be the writers just like taking it out on their bosses. Oh yeah, This one always is a weird breath of fresh air for me because. I mean, we are well into the show. We're in season five. They're all, you can tell they're all extremely comfortable. They all feel like one big happy family, like solving the galaxy's problems in their space living room. Um, The breath of fresh air for me is that Ensign Rowe, as soon as she shows up, it just, it livens things up a bit because she becomes a recurring character and like more or less one of the main crew at this point and it just creates a lot more just her being there creates this natural tension and she, you know and she's not some malicious person she's just like a, a go-getter and like a and a fighter and you know and is not afraid of like speaking her voice and like i love that it's so it just kind of helps break things up a bit and i think so for me, I always love when she shows up. I just think she brings a lot of much needed fire and spunk to the show. Yeah. And I think like the Bajoran like perspective in a lot of ways, like it does like very directly confront like Starfleet and like the Starfleet like prime directive, which is like, oh, just like don't interfere. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Cardassians are war criminals, but it's on their turf. So like, well, I don't know, whatever, I guess. Like, <laughs> We're just sort of fine with you killing your own people. Yeah. On yeah. Side of the we were saddened by those events. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Captain Picard. Um, My condolences. Yeah, the, when he's talking with the guy on the planet, just mm-hmm. like, oh, how convenient for you. It's like, yeah, you guys take the the high route of not interfering, you know. And it, it's one of those things where I was like, well, I generally agree that the Prime Directive is a good idea. It's like, yes, like you don't want to just going around like interfering with other aliens and you know putting. However, like does. That it, it it can also be like this. Oh, we can't get involved. It's like the guys; these people have been suffering for 
decades, like, yeah, under a brutal occupation. He, like He makes that point, like, oh, like, maybe we should have attacked, like, Starfleet earlier. <laughs> like, if now right. like, we're going to get involved all of a sudden, like, now all of a sudden it's your problem. Like, right. We should have attacked you much earlier. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is interesting, and like, yeah, again, it doesn't portray them as the bad guy, but it is. It, it makes them look a little bit more. There's, uh, they're not as they're not the quite the shining ideal that they like to think they are, which is very interesting. What do you guys all think about? I mean, like, so the the, the main purpose of this episode is to introduce Ensign Rowe as this new character. Like, how does she come across in this? How do you guys think she plays? Um, in this episode like you know the second that they beam her up like like her arms are like almost always crossed like she does also like kind of bring this attitude of like yeah "Yeah, like i don't want to be here either but like (laughs) it is really compelling and like you do like want to hear more about her story and like okay like well what has happened in her life what is going on on bejor that is like making her respond this way and that makes her so like distrustful of Starfleet. Like what, what is going on in her world? Mm-hmm. That's why Guinan's here. Mm. Enter Guinan. Yeah. Guinan uh, definitely has a presence in this episode. Academy Award winner Whoopi Goldberg um, becomes her friend and helps her kind of set her straight, I guess, or, at least, or just be there for a, her as a friend is honestly all she ends up really doing. And that's all that really ends like Roe needs to kind of do the right thing, which is also really interesting. Just, just like someone opens up to her and that's all someone, it takes. She's my friend. She's in my corner. Yeah. She listened to what I had to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is sometimes all you need. Yeah. Um, and interesting that none of the main characters who beforehand there was like, Oh, they're such wonderful, friendly people. It's like, but they are just like, mm, you're not part of our family. Um, and it takes Guinan to kind of like, hey, like she has to go on there. Like to, she basically like Picard essentially grounds her. Go to your room, Ensign. Um, and Guinan has to like, hey, now she's my friend and you're going to listen to her. Everything she has to say. Okay. All right. Whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Very, yeah. Very interesting. I, I you know, this is a case where I think um, it, it could have been really easy to get the dynamic wrong. Like for a character who shows up, like you say, she's already like when she beams in, she's already got like this stance and like she's crossing. I don't want to be. Yeah, it would be really easy for that character to come across as insufferable. And for you to just be like, just, I don't care. Fuck this character. I know at least me. I don't know how you guys feel at no point. Do I ever feel that about her? I'm always very intrigued and engaged by her. I don't know if it's the writing or if it's the actor, Michelle Forbes, who I think does a really good job in bringing this character to life. Yeah. There's that. I think it's like you were saying, it's the breath of fresh air aspect. Like from a a Star Trek fan point of view, watching this for the first time, like who wouldn't want to be aboard the Enterprise, right? right. To see somebody that's like, I don't want to be here. That's really like compelling, you know? Who wouldn't want to be there? Like, who, who are be, you? Right, what? What's wrong with you? Who hurt you? <laughs> who are you? Um, yeah, do you think she's, uh, especially, I mean, like, I mean, she could have easily been just like a one-off character. Do you think she makes like a worthy addition to the cast? Oh, yeah. Do you think she kind of stands like toe-to-toe with the rest of them? What a performance. Yeah. I, I agree. I think she does a real... I, I think she does a really good job in this. I think she really, I think the writing is all good and solid for her, but I, I really do think she elevates the material. Mm. Um, she really comes across really strongly in this. That moment in their morning board meeting where she's like talking about how she's like, these are people ready to martyr themselves. Yeah. Like the intention there was, was there. Like mm. she was at that level. You're wasting your time. <laughs> um, also, yeah. So, you know, she's a Bajoran. We see the Bajorans in this, like, Again, they were they weren't supposed to be a recurring like big species, but like I said, the producers were just became so interested in them because of this episode. Um, what do you guys think? Like, did they make that strong of an impression? Like, is it the Bajorans themselves who are interesting? Is it more like their their plight that we is maybe what I don't know? Like, because like I said, they go on to become the focal point of an entire Star Trek show from this one episode. Um, 
What do you guys think? Did they make a really strong impression here? What do you guys think? Yeah, I like that it it kind of brings Star Trek into modern times a little bit. The whole concept. Yeah. Like it is like a very relatable, like kind of like earth experience, you know, to like look at like a group of people who've like repeatedly like been refugees or like fighting against like colonization. Be like, oh yeah, like that that tracks like very, very strong parallels. Like you wanna talk about like sci-fi as like social commentary, like that's pretty pretty on the nose there. Yeah. Um It's it's very interesting to see how Star Trek and their prime directive handles mm. that sort of situation too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good that is a, that is a good point. It's like it, um, in terms of certainly like if you're looking at the Federation as this kind of meta main character or Starfleet as the meta main character, the Bajorans are really interesting. Like they're not like an adversary race or anything like that. They're but they're also not a member of the Federation. They um, they kind of get into this sticky territory, for, like in terms of the Federation and their prime directive. So it does, it, it yeah, it, it it paints some really interesting colors for the Federation with like how the Federation decides to deal with them. Um, it kind of forces some deeper kind of introspection and exploration of Starfleet and their ideals, the Bajorans. Um, you know, watching watching this one. Um, this one was really hard for me not to think about the Israel-Palestinian conflict yeah. going on. I'm like, oh my God, there yeah. are so many parallels right now yeah. in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially if you look at the Federation as also being the United States. Uh-huh. Um, you it's know. kind of impossible to avoid the zeitgeist right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, There has been a lot of speculation in the fandom over the years. It's like, who exactly are the Bajorans supposed to represent? Like, um, you know, you could easily plug the Palestinians into this. Um, You could plug, you know, the Syrians into this. You You can plug Jews in the 1940s, you know, into this. There's... But Rick Berman, the executive producer at the time, he definitely has gone on record saying, like, it. we specifically didn't base it on anyone it's more of just like this could be anyone i'm like yeah i guess that does track like this could be anyone um but yeah whatever it is easy to plug Uh, certainly right now i'm like yeah but this does have lots of notes of that conflict right now totally totally the 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 terrorist groups who don't necessarily represent the entire group but Mm -hmm. then like when they're talking so like there's this like very like there's this long history where it's like okay like also i understand like why these people would be like so distrustful of like this like empire and like right like they would feel compelled right well when he picard's talking with the like the refugee camp leader on the planet you know and and he's like look i i don't condone the attacks that were done he's like i don't condone attacks on innocent people but i'm not going to help you and picard's like why because like because you are innocent bystanders. It's like, you aren't doing anything about this situation. Why the fuck? Yeah, I yeah, I think these terrorists are fucking awful. However, also fuck you. Yeah, like, yeah. And, you know, had I known, you know, like we talked about earlier, had I known that, like, <laughs> them attacking would provoke the Federation to come, like, investigate this, maybe we should have attacked a long mm-hmm. time ago. It's like, it is really interesting. Um, and... The Federation's like shaking both hands too. Yeah, yeah. There's some parallels there as well. Sneaky little bureaucratic back deals and just like, you know, oh, we want to, but like, hey, you know, we can't. We have to do this and we have to respect their sovereign borders and, you know, and not to, I, to, to be clear, not to paint the Israel Israelis as the cartels. <laughs> Maybe the Israeli government, but <laughs> not the Israeli people. Canceled. Not, canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, I guess that is maybe what makes the Bajorans work so well. It's like, but you could, like I said, you could also easily... The Cardassians easily are could be a stand-in for the Nazis. Oh and, yeah, like there is so so much space Nazi stuff going on with the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. Like that also very much reads. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's clear. <laughs> um, 
what about the Cardassians in this? Like, they're they are the overriding bad guys, but they're they don't have a huge presence in this. Um, and this is only their second appearance up up to this point. Um, and they also weren't like the. They were definitely in the early episode, but they weren't the overriding bad guys in that one. Like Starfleet, the Starfleet captain was. It's twice now where like they, you know, this is their new, you know, uh, villain race that they've introduced, but still haven't really put them quite as like the out and out really present bad guys. Um, I, yeah. So how, how do they come across? I don't know. How do they come across in this? Does it work? Did the Cardassians need to be in this more? Um, I don't know that they necessarily like need to be in this particular episode more, but I do think there are some things that like aren't all the way fleshed out there yet. Um, mm-hmm. even like really subtle things like in Deep Space Nine, like Cardassians are always like it always seems like they're kind of joking with you. Like they always have like this twinge of like humor and sarcasm that makes it kind of hard to like tell if like what they're telling you you should take it face value or if they're playing like a little game with you mm. um, and I feel like that element is kind of missing here mm. a little more I mean we only get the one Cardassian who's coming in there mm. it's like withdraw yeah um, maybe get a little tinge when it's like was that a threat mm-hmm. just a complaint from your Cardassian neighbors that's yeah <laughs> Yeah, but certainly Deep Space Nine, like when they get like the Cardassian military people showing up, there's always this kind of silver-tongued or forked. Major, I'm surprised. (laughs) I thought we'd come to an understanding. Your mistrust wounds me, Benjamin. (laughs) (laughs) I thought by now the Cardassian people have more than shown their good faith, Benjamin. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, they, they have introduced the Cardassians. Like, their whole point was to introduce this new recurring antagonist just so they didn't. Originally, this was going to be the Romulans was going to be the bad guy. But they're like, wait a minute. We just introduced, like, the Cardassians just so we don't have to keep going back to the Romulans. So I'm definitely glad that it wasn't the Romulans. I'm glad that it is the Cardassians. And um, they still haven't, like, really done a whole lot with them up to this point. Mm, figuring them out. This it feels like good, a slow build. Good, like they're building them up. This is a good stepping stone. Like, oh, okay, so the Cardassians are are messing with the Bajorans. Okay, mm. so that's their thing. Right now that we've established that, we can really dive into how shitty they are. They occupy and enslave planets. And like, maybe it's just this particular actor's makeup as well. But I also feel like the character design for the Cardassians is not quite as realized as it is in Deep Space Nine. Like, it looks like a little slimy and shiny and off here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're still honing it. The uniform isn't quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Like, um, they haven't introduced like what will go on to become like their kind of signature lizard scale armor yeah. however you want to call that look yeah the deep space nine look is sick mm. the first time they show up here they're very goofy they have like these little weird hel- little helmet little things helmet. going on yeah. the little gel <laughs> goatee um this yeah. guy looks like a zombie a little bit a little bit they also the the, the flu the neck ridges aren't as pronounced mm-hmm. like you can kind of see them but they're much more subtle in deep space nine those things are large yeah. and in charge <laughs> truly the Klingon ridges of the neck yeah of the neck <laughs> truly <laughs> um, you know um, also just speaking to our question from earlier you know deserving a second chance they don't go into too much of the details with what Ro did but she does reveal that she disobeyed orders and has a history of insubordination which did get several people killed she, she said eight people, eight crewmen. Eight, eight, eight people died because she didn't follow orders and Yeesh. thought she knew best. And in this episode, it's interesting because she again disobeys orders and does what she thinks needs to happen. But in this time, she's vindicated in her actions. What do you guys think is like, you know, then this is fiction, you know, this is Star Trek and it's like the, the show that believes the best in people. If we're kind of being a little more realistic with row what is what is she someone who warrants like a second chance back in the uniform yes but i don't think she's seeking it you know 
she basically says as much at the end of the right. episode. She, she, I think she even says this uniform doesn't quite fit. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I do wish they had like a little more context for like exactly what happened before, like how and why those people ended up dying because of the choices that she made. Um, but I do think it also kind of ties into like, well, what what were the circumstances at hand? Like, what were the resources that she had? What were her options? Yeah, yeah. They keep it vague. They keep it uh, probably purposely vague, mm-hmm. so you don't think about it too much. Just so you can be like, okay, yeah, I know she's good. It is. It would be interesting though if they really went into like, here's exactly what happened, and then it's like, oh, does she? I mean, because that's not really what the episode is about. Is does she deserve a second chance or anything? But. It's certainly kind of like an emotional through line for her character is like her kind of stepping back into it and trying to like not just prove it to other people, but prove to herself that she is capable of like, you know, doing what need like doing the right thing and doing what needs to be done. Yeah, she probably absolutely felt like she was doing the right thing the first time and it just blew up in her face. Mm. Not to take it back to trading the markets, but it's like trading your strategy. Mm. it's like even if that trade goes against you you got to come back and, and trade that same strategy again mm. and so she's just doing what she knows mm-hmm. to a certain point you know and it worked for her this time it probably would have worked for her the first time if circumstances were a little different you feel maybe right yeah it, it does bring up an interesting question of like did she actually learn a lesson here? And and if she did, what is that lesson? Because again, like she still kind of does what she thinks. I mean, she goes down to the planet and and disregards Picard's orders and does get in trouble for it, even though in this case it ends up being the right thing to do. Um, so she basically ends up doing the exact same thing. It just all works out this time. So if that's not the lesson she learns here, like what is it that she learns? You need the power of friendship. <laughs> yeah, with like Guinan and that's a lesson. I don't think it's the lesson. I mean, you know, maybe because she does tell like she both she she does tell Guinan and Picard that like I don't know who to trust anymore. And then she's and then Guinan's like even yourself. She's like especially myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe I mean we talked about it earlier. Maybe like just because Guinan opened up to her and had faith in her, like she felt like. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Just feeling like you got people in your corner or like opening, maybe, maybe opening yourself up to help and support. Yeah. Yeah. Like if anything, I think like probably like that, like being open to help and being open to um, just having another person that you can talk to or like confer with is like so helpful in like almost any situation. It made her feel trustworthy again mm. after a court martial, you know, yeah. which is no, light thing right for mm. an officer yeah maybe that's maybe that's what it is and you know maybe like in terms of like you know where do you draw that line like when do you like let someone have that second chance or that you know redemption or whatever like yeah maybe it's maybe it's something along those lines if like if someone is genuinely willing to like open their mind to support and help from others whether that what because of you know whatever they've done in the past you know it's like and are will and you know willing and wanting to step in and like you know contribute be of help assistance again you know, maybe that's what it is we just need to know that like look you got to trust us like <laughs> you can't just go off half cocked hmm. what did we learn today on star trek power of friendship <laughs> i mean honestly i feel like that's a good summary of like so many Star Trek episodes. I did, just, yeah, like, totally. Totally friendship. Like, friendship. <laughs> what do you learn on this week's episode? Friendship again. <laughs> this time, friendship was sad. Yeah, but it, but still, friendship. <laughs> certainly, this show. Yes, Next Generation certainly goes pretty heavy with those themes of like being family and being there for each other. Goes pretty hard into it. They all do, but this one is the one that goes into it the the hardest. Um. All right. Any final thoughts on Ensign Rowe? You know what? I I never liked her haircut before. It's growing on me. Mm. I I think her haircut is cool. I like that she has a widow's peak. Yeah, I think pretty, that's cool. Pretty badass. She does have a widow's peak. 
Should be a great Dracula for Halloween. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good fashion choices, as always, from Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of fashion, there is that there is this weird shot that happens where she see so Anson Rowe and all the women are are wearing onesie jumpsuits if you're looking where's the and then the men kind of have like a top and a bottom and then there's a scene where Anson Rowe sees this little girl right and like and is cold and then inexplicably somehow Anson Rowe takes off the top part of her uniform yes, I was from also, the front like trying to figure out the anatomy of what, her outfit what happened there? there like there's nothing down the front that would suggest it opens from the front or that you can open it all because it's a onesie but she just suddenly opens up the top <laughs> takes it off and then gives it to her and then when it shows her undershirt the communicator is magically on her undershirt and not on her outer piece mm-hmm. it's like what the fuck just happened there <laughs> what the fuck you're just breaking laws of thermodynamics <laughs> it, it, it bother it bugs me every time just like what 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 just happened there it's impossible <laughs> but you're in the transporter fuck the transporter how did you take that top off i want to know <laughs> we need answers Awesome. Thanks for coming on to watch Ensign Row with us, Salem. Yes, thank you. Really this fun. Was so much fun. It was nice nice chatting. It was nice uh checking out Next Gen for the first time. Yeah. Getting a little um I don't want to call it a prequel, but a little kind of taste of like things that set up mm-hmm. what you know comes down the road. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It was really fun. We'll definitely have to have you on again in the future yeah when you when you guys get to deep space nine like i probably will have watched every episode by that point and would um, love would love to come on and the chat. resident expert or maybe we'll bring you on for some voyager or something another thing i, I, I go in blind for something else yeah we'll see uh, but we'll definitely have to have you back sometime um awesome well thank you uh everyone at home for listening we hope you enjoyed our coverage of ensign row um yes thank you friends and fam yay. and randos across the world <laughs> randos across the world thank you all right um thanks for listening everyone next week um we are going to be watching silicon avatar um every, every once in a while star trek likes to randomly revisit some random character or plot point from way back when that you had completely forgotten about and never thought you would see again. And then suddenly they just like, we're going to bring that back from either like years ago or decades ago. And Oh my God, they're doing okay. So uh, we're getting one of these episodes. Um, I don't know if we've quite got, one. I don't even, I don't even know if you'd call it like a subcategory, but this is something that happens every once in a while. It's like, Oh wow, this is a callback. <laughs> yeah, the callbacks. <laughs> that does happen. There's they're, just so much Star Trek. Yeah, there's so much crap. But they're bringing this back. Okay, let's go. Yeah. So um, next week, yeah, a Silicon Avatar. Also, mm-hmm. our good friend of the podcast, Marque Llewellyn, will be yeah. coming back on the show to talk about that one with us, um, which should be a lot of fun. Marque is always good times. Oh yes. Um, all right. Yeah. So next week, Silicon Avatar <laughs> and um, the wit. And humor of Marque Llewellyn. Um, Salem again, thank you. Yeah, thank yes, you. Thank you this was lots of fun. Hell yeah. Um, Aaron, as always, thank you. Thank you, Jaren. Um, and thank you all at home. Um, we will see you all next time. Hopefully not on a Bajoran refugee planet. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.